audio. Back with another episode of Doc Talk today in the studio. Thank you so much for coming in. We have Dr. Ashley Simmons, who is a new breast surgeon here at Monument. Thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for letting me be here. Yeah. Before we start with all the nitty gritty questions, please tell us about your journey into Rapid City. Thank you for coming to Rapid City. But how did you end up here and why are you specifically a breast surgeon? Yeah, so I actually, I was born in North Dakota, but I grew up in eastern Montana in a small town. And then I went to medical school through the University of Washington as part of what they, is called the WAMI program, which stands for Washington, Wyoming, Alaska, Montana, and Idaho. Okay. Yes. And <laughs> so I actually did my first year of med school in Montana. Then I was out in Seattle for a year. And then I did clinical rotations in Washington, Alaska, and Montana. Oh, my goodness. So I had this, yeah, very interesting. It's such a cool program and uh, such an honor to be a part of it. And so when I finished there, I did actually my uh, general surgery rotation in Billings, Montana, and I just fell in love with surgery. And so I did my five years of general surgery residency in Des Moines, Iowa, at Iowa Methodist Medical Center. And it was actually there that, um, so when you're first in residency, your first year you're called an intern, and then the people who are in their last year are called the chiefs. That's just that's how it goes. Okay. That is what it is. <laughs> uh, one of my chiefs was Dr. Weasel, who's actually a surgeon here. And oh. so um, when I got closer to the middle of residency, I would say, I realized that I had more excitement for my breast cancer surgeries. And clinic, seeing the patients, you just get to develop such a different relationship with them. Um, you know, being there to walk with a woman as she goes through her breast cancer journey is such a unique experience. Um, and it's just different than a, a different, a, you know, than another general surgery patient who has an acute problem, you fix it, and then you may not get to see them again. Versus uh, a breast cancer patient, you know, you get to see them for a really long time in follow-up. And I just, I loved the patients um, and the surgeries. And so when I picked breast, actually, Dr. Weasel contacted me right as I was applying for fellowship and said, hey, I think you might like it here in Rapid City since you're from close to the area. Um, and I said, well, I'm doing this whole breast fellowship thing. I don't know. And I came out and interviewed and absolutely fell in love with the people at Monument um, and everybody that I met. And we had, you know, I knew good things about Rapid City. And so I did a one-year breast uh, surgical oncology fellowship in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, and now we're here. Wow. Just so you know, I consider you basically a local. You know, okay. Thank North you. Dakota, Thank Montana, you. Yeah. it's just different fonts yeah. of South Dakota. So yeah. we're more than happy <laughs> to have you here. And I love the way you speak about um, your journey, your surgical journey, specifically with your breast cancer patients. It's very personal. Um, I know you're probably inundated with patients and information all the time, but that personal touch, I'm sure, means the world to your patients and to you at the end of the day. And I don't think a lot of people realize that we have a dedicated breast center here at Monument, which is where you are the director of. And could you expand upon that? Tell us a little bit about everything that that offers. Before a patient gets a diagnosis, when a patient is undergoing their screening, we have a very close relationship with Dakota Radiology, and they are absolutely wonderful. So a patient can go over there, they'll get their mammogram, get their biopsy, and then they're referred to the breast center if the biopsy comes back as positive. And so from there, the, we have breast surgery and we have a whole team. So we have myself and um, other breast surgeons. We have nurse practitioners, nurses, I mean, 
the whole, a whole spectrum of people in addition to all of the additional support we have with the cancer center as well in terms of you know emotional support for the patient and that whole side of breast cancer or cancer diagnosis in general. Um, if the patient is going to need chemotherapy or anti-hormone therapy, we have a wonderful team of medical oncologists. And if they needed radiation, we also have radiation um, oncologists. And so we've got everything that a patient could need here in Rapid City. And we're doing, you know, at the forefront of uh, breast cancer care. That's amazing. Just taking away that stress of having to travel for all those separate needs, I'm sure that means the world to the patients. Yes, absolutely. I don't want to say it's like a one-stop shop, but we have (laughs) everything that we can offer here. And so, yeah, the patient doesn't have to worry. Let's say it's December and it's terrible roads. Well, you can just get your radiation right here in town. Um, So I think that's just such a wonderful thing to offer the community. And I think that um, people who aren't from the area or even, you know, from like the north to Midwest would be surprised at the quality of care and the things that are being offered, they may assume that we're behind the times, and that is just absolutely not correct. Today isn't, I don't want to say it's a dreaded topic. It's a topic we all know a little bit about, but um, it's great to go more in depth, especially during the month of October. We're talking about mammograms and breast health specifically. So starting from the basics, what is a mammogram? So a mammogram is essentially an x-ray that we take of the breast. Um, It's a machine where a woman will sit in a chair, and then the breast is compressed between two typically plastic plates, um, and then there's multiple images taken at different angles of each breast. And why is it so important to get this image, especially at different angles? So uh, what mammograms do is they allow us to detect breast cancers when they're still small and at sometimes even like not even palpable within the breast itself. Um, So it's for earlier detection of breast cancer. That makes sense. And at what age should women start getting these mammograms? For the average woman, the risk of developing breast cancer, it happens in one in eight women or about 12.5%. So for those of us who are average risk, the recommendation is to start screening mammograms at age 40 and then get them annually or once a year. Um, Now, there may may be situations where we need to do them more frequently or start at a younger age, and that depends a lot on a woman's risk of developing breast cancer. Gotcha. So unless it's, you know, at the age of 40, which is the recommended age, it's kind of on a case by case basis? Yes, exactly. And what are the benefits and limitations of this type of screening? So a benefit of the mammogram is detecting breast cancers earlier. Now, I have to say that mammograms do not help with breast cancer prevention. Um, So we have patients that will come in and say, I did everything right. I always got my mammograms, and I still got breast cancer. And it's not, unfortunately, we don't have a way to help prevent them with a mammogram. Or sorry, we don't have a way to help prevent breast cancer with a mammogram. But what we can do is detect it at an earlier stage or when it's um, smaller in size. And so the benefit is really catching a breast cancer earlier. Uh, Limitations of a mammogram, just like any cancer screening study or tool that we have, um, I would say the biggest ones are false positive and false negatives. And what I mean by that is so if somebody comes in and they have a false positive on their mammogram, the patient, they get called back. They have to do additional imaging. They can even go so far as to have a biopsy. And then we do that full workup. causes a lot of patient anxiety, naturally. And then it comes back as not a cancer. So that would be what we call a false positive. On the flip side, we can have a false negative where a patient may actually have a breast cancer and we're just unable to detect it on a mammogram. And that can be due to a variety of reasons. Um, It can be the location within the breast. It can be the patient's breast density. So women who have denser breast tissue have harder to read mammograms. And so, you know, you can have what we call the false negative where you may in fact have a cancer there and we're just not able to see it yet. 
That makes sense. But when it comes to something like cancer, um, it's a dreaded topic, of course. It's scary for a lot of people. I feel like early detection, that's the most important part. So it's not like a mammogram is doing any harm. You just want to see what's going on. Absolutely. And then are there alternatives to mammograms? Is that the only kind of scan or can you do an alternative type of scan for that kind of thing? Yeah, so I would say mammograms are the gold standard. That's what we recommend for the average woman. Um, other breast imaging modalities include breast MRI and whole breast or um, partial breast ultrasound. Um, but using those in terms of screening uh, is very specific cases and specific patients that we would recommend that for. So for the average woman, it is not recommended that they undergo breast MRI um, or do a breast ultrasound. So okay. mammograms really kind of are, you know, gold standard of what we recommend. Those are the exact words I was going to use, so it's good to know. Yes. Um, coming from <laughs> an expert yourself. Yes. And when it comes to breast cancer, a, there's a lot of information going around. Like you said earlier, people will always come in and say, I tried everything I could. I did my best to prevent this and that. What are some factors that elevate your risk for breast cancer? So I would say the biggest risk factor is family history. Um, There are some modifiable risk factors, and those are the things that we think of. Like women will come and say, what can I do to prevent breast cancer? Well, there's not a lot we can do to prevent it. Um, But you can living a healthy lifestyle, uh, not smoking, uh, limiting alcohol intake, exercising, doing all the things that we all know are good for us. Those are things that, you know, just help with a healthy lifestyle. And you can't really, unfortunately, change your family family history much. So I think being aware of your family history, people who do have breast or ovarian cancer, being familiar with your own breasts so you can see or feel if something feels different, those are things that the patient can do, um, you know, to try to, I guess, again, help with earlier detection. So you're telling me all the forms that I fill out at the beginning of my appointment about everyone's family history that actually matters. It does actually matter. We do use those, even though I know they are long and painful. (laughs) Hey, you have to read them. I'm just filling it out. That's right. (laughs) So let's talk about something that I mispronounced before we even started recording, the Tyra Cusick score, um, here for referred to as the TC score uh, for my purposes. For ease. For ease. Thank you. (laughs) What is that? Um, How is it calculated and what information does it take into account? Yeah, speaking of those like long forms that you fill out, a lot of this information is actually generated from those forms. So the TC score is a risk score that is calculated, and it helps. Um, it tells us two different things. It tells us a woman's 10-year risk of developing breast cancer and their lifetime risk. Okay. So it takes into consideration a number of different factors, uh, ranging from patient age, weight, height, family history. You know, when did you have your first period? Have you gone through menopause? Um, have you ever taken hormone replacement? therapy, uh, and a a long extensive list of very similar things like that. Uh, We put that into a calculator and then it pops out those two percentiles for your risk. Typically these are generated whenever a woman gets a mammogram and so maybe the patient isn't aware that is there but typically at the top of the form it'll say something with the Tyracusic score and then gives you a percentage. Um, And if it's not up there, a woman could always ask her provider uh, to calculate it for her. Gotcha. And then is that something that's calculated sometimes before a patient even goes in for their first mammogram? Uh, typically not, but it can be in the situation where a patient like draws attention to it. Like let's say a patient sees their primary care doctor and they have a very strong family history of breast cancer. At that point, you could calculate the TC and see what the risk is. And if it's elevated, that could prompt the primary care doctor to refer to breast surgery sooner. Okay. So is there 
a direct significance between having a higher TC score and your actual risk for breast cancer? Yes, yeah, so the TC score itself essentially serves as a surrogate for what we think the risk is based on all of those factors. And so the average woman, you know, one in eight women develop breast cancer, the risk is 12.5%. Anything greater than 20% of a lifetime risk on the TC triggers us to say this patient is at elevated risk. And then it goes up exponentially from there, meaning if your risk was 40 to 60%, obviously it's higher than the 20%. Okay, that makes sense. And then let's say a patient comes in, they do all of that, they evaluate their score with their doctor, and they find out they have a higher score. What does that mean as far as future health care, screening, prevention, um, things along that line? Yeah, so then really it becomes a conversation and, you know, a decision with the patient and the physician. And so we will see patients at Monument in the health um, or in the breast center, and they're just what we call high-risk patients. And the conversation can range so far as we offer doing nothing else. The woman can just continue her yearly mammogram, know that she's higher risk, and that may be what's appropriate and comfortable for her. Um, And on the opposite end of that spectrum, we have the option of even doing prophylactic surgery where we may remove the breasts if the lifetime risk is so elevated. Now that's very extreme. So kind of in between, we have other options where we can use that breast MRI that we previously talked about and offer women an altering mammogram and MRI every six months to increase their um, screening frequency to try to detect sooner. And in terms of prevention, we have the option of what we call chemo prevention um, in the form of a pill, typically an anti-hormone pill. Um, And so some patients may be candidates for that depending on their risk. And that will actually decrease the risk of developing breast cancer versus everything else we've talked about aside from surgery, where we're just talking about trying to find it sooner. Wow. So those are preventative measures before cancer is even detected in the patient? Yeah. That's amazing. I didn't know that. I thought, you know, you just kind of waited until it was detected and then you dealt with it from there. So it seems like there are huge strides in not just screening, but also prevention, like actual prevention. Because like you said before, prevention on my side of things, you know, I could eat healthy, exercise, et cetera. But at the end of the day, my family history and my predisposal is kind of what matters most. Yeah. So that's comforting. Yes. And I'm unfortunately for most of breast cancer, you know, when we talk about family history, only less than 10% of breast cancers are due to uh, actual positive known genetic mutation. So people can have a very strong family history. And unfortunately, some women, even with no history, they've done everything right. They just are still going to get breast cancer. And that has nothing to do with the patient. It just... At this point, at least we don't know. It's just mostly bad luck, unfortunately. But we do have great options for trying to keep track of what people's risks are and trying to intervene sooner, um, as long as patients and the providers are aware. So, Dr. Simmons, we've been speaking primarily about female patients who come in with breast cancer, but there have been cases and reported cases of breast cancer in your male patients. Could you expand upon that? Because I'm sure the screening process is a little bit different. Treatment might be a little bit different or... Yeah, absolutely. And we do, there's this tendency in breasts to say, you know, the women or as a woman, but you're absolutely correct. Men, although it's uncommon, can also develop breast cancer. Um, Most often when we see men with breast cancer, they have a positive family history um, or a more significant positive family history. And so any patient who has a history of male breast cancer, that's a huge red flag for us. And immediately we're going, okay, something's got to be going on. So for men, really, it's kind of 
they don't ha- there's no recommended screening for them okay. aside from you know most men will come in and say I noticed something in my breast and it wasn't there before I feel something so really having them just be generally aware of what their breasts look like or you know if they feel like um, and then in terms of imaging actually men can still undergo mammogram and so we'd recommend that uh, we can use ultrasound to evaluate the mass further just like we would in a woman and we can also discuss using MRI if indicated for men and then their treatment options end up actually being very similar especially from a surgical standpoint Um, so it is something that is actually important and we should I should be better too about saying patients instead of just women because we don't want to exclude men who do also have breast cancer that makes sense I mean as humans we all have breast tissue and I think sometimes that flies under the medical radar as far as patients because they come in and they think oh I can't possibly have breast cancer but it does happen Um, so I don't know if this is relevant or not, but we were just talking about filling out that very extensive but very important family history sheet. So if a male patient comes in and they have a strong history of breast cancer in their family, is is that just the same as if a female patient walked in with just as strong of family history? Yes. So, um, I mean, the risk obviously is not equivalent if a female male patient had the same family history just because inherently a woman's risk of breast cancer is just higher than a man's. Gotcha. I mean, that can be so scary, I'm sure, for a lot of people, you know, stepping foot into like a consultation for the first time, but knowing that there are all those steps beforehand, really helpful. And do you have any advice um, to finish up for anyone who is considering maybe asking for their TC score to be evaluated or maybe going into their first mammogram? Because it is, unfortunately, you know, media and among our circles, it's a little scary or daunting at first. Yeah, absolutely. I would say just you know, ask as many questions of your provider, um, whether that be your primary care doctor. If you're in seeing us at the Breast Center, we're happy to see you. Um, and just knowing that we're here to support you every single step of the way, whatever questions you may have. Um, and although I know that it's exceptionally scary to go in the first time, knowing that, you know, that this is the way to help detect it sooner. And so you're just, you know, making sure that you're kind of taking care of your body and keeping track of your breasts and what's going on in your breasts, your overall breast health. Um, It's just so important. It's so important for women to do. I agree. Dr. Simmons, thank you so much for coming in. We appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Doc Talk with Monument Health is recorded live at Homeslice Studios, hosted by Mark Houston, edited by Russ Hatton, engineered by Chris Jaquis, and produced by Kelsey Kinney and Rob Henry.